Stupid fucked up, wicked high Don't you ever just wonder why We didn't learn the true history But now they're about to teach you and me It's happening. We're in it to win it. Hello. Welcome again. Welcome in. I'm Liv. I'm Abby. This is Untold History. Yep. Where we talk about some stuff. I have to tell you, I have a very amazing topic today. I didn't think it'd be so amazing, but I was thoroughly impressed with this woman. Was it the woman that you texted me about and were like, yeah. do you know this woman? And I was like, it sounds familiar, but I don't know. And you were like, if you don't know this woman, I'm shaming I you. I didn't shame you. Okay. Everyone's heard the name. It's a common household American name. Can I reveal it? Is it Betsy Ross? Yes. Wait, so does that mean that I get to go first? I mean, I think you go first anyway. But really quick, I want to know how is school going? It's pretty cool. ASL is very fun. I have a presentation on Friday. I get to watch this really cool documentary about the deaf community. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm happy I'm like going down this path. It's pretty cool. Fun. Okay, well, I'm not doing anything, so I don't need to catch you up on anything in my life. You're just doing you with your two cats. Well, I bought an elliptical. Oh, okay. yeah, you're exercising. That's happening. I'm gonna get there. You look like Bruno Mars. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a private thing. Someone's gonna have to see a picture of you during this time. Dude, no. I was thinking about posting about my dread journey, but then I would even just more stigmatize it and make it more of a thing. And like, that's the whole reason I got rid of them because I was getting this weird attention for them. It was a crisis. It was a change. It felt necessary. I feel like way less feminine now, which is like something personal and like internal that I'm dealing with. But like, this is the real personal corner of Untold History. <laughs> this is Untold History Uncut Edition. This is where we get into the real Uncut Untold is the segment. Uncut Untold, where we dive deep into our worst traumas and fears. I always like say to myself as I walk down the street, I'm like, I don't even have trauma. And then I was saying just to my massage therapist casually the other day about how like my mom experienced breast cancer and like went through all that shit. And she just goes, that's so traumatic. And I was like, is that trauma? And she was like, yeah, that's trauma. I was like, oh my God, I do have fucking trauma. Like what Everybody has trauma. I thought I was like immune. No one's immune. Everybody got it. Tell me about your woman. Are you doing just one woman? Are you doing an event? Oh, we talked about it. Betsy Ross. Talk to me about it. The mother of the flag. She did some things. So I'm going to preface that what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you her whole life story. And then I'm going to touch on the flag at the end. Because... It's like the flag was symbolic of the men's bullshit. No. I mean, it happened in the middle of her life. But if I tell you that too soon, then I don't get to tell you the other favorite parts about her. So I'll get to it. She was born Elizabeth Griscombe, January 1st. So she... She was a New Year's baby, which is so cute. She was a Capricorn. Yeah, in 1752. We do star charts here, too, on Untold History, in case everyone doesn't know already. We figure out their zodiac sign, and we see how, like, fucked up they were in the head. So, yeah, she was number eight out of 17 children. And what the? <laughs> please don't just blow by that. What the 17. fuck? 17. Were they just walking out by the end? Well, 
So the thing is, and this is the 1700s for you, eight of them died. And they all died before the age of four. A lot of them was smallpox. Her mom had twins and they both died. They both had some weird thing happen to them and they just keeled over and died. So technically, there's only nine of them that survived. And like a couple of them died before she was even born and whatever. But she's Quaker. The traditional Quaker, like skirt to your knees don't show shit off you marry in the quaker blood give me like just a little bit of background of a quaker what do you want like so i mean they're christian i'm thinking puritan is that the same thing no no i don't think i shouldn't have started drinking at noon what is a fucking quaker who has been a quaker in life name a famous quaker this is from dictionary.com what does being a quaker mean they're a group of christians who use no scripture and believe in great simplicity in daily life and in worship their services consist mainly of silent meditation so basically they like live the simple life if they were in modern day they wouldn't have technology they would be like we just value our long skirts and our modesty that's what they would do her whole fam's quaker and then and they went to this Quaker school where all they taught the girls were how to like sew and run the house and like make clothes. Okay. So she gets done with her schooling at 17 and then her father sends her off to be an apprentice at an upholstery. Fucking hate this word. Upholsterer. Wait, okay. To be like an apprentice of an upholsterer or an upholstery shop? Yes. Because her dad's a carpenter and they come from this long line of carpenters and blah, 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 blah. And because she's a woman, she can't do carpentry, but she can sew. So he was like, I want you to learn how to like fix up furniture make clothes and that's gonna be what you do he sends her off they're still in new jersey at this time and she falls in love with a man named john ross because he's also an apprentice okay so think about this love story two little 17 year old apprentices learning how to sew and make furniture and then they fall in love and fuck on the furniture i love you that was <laughs> hot Oh my god. I'm assuming that's what they... My mind didn't even go there at first. I was like, okay, they're like princess, they're sewing, everything's... And then you're like, and then they're fucking on the furniture. That's what happens. Ooh, I'm feeling it. But the bad thing is, he's Angelican, or like Episcopalian. What the fuck? So he doesn't eat fish, or what the fuck? What? No, Episcopalian is like a different form of Christian, because apparently you can't fucking just worship somebody and just say, like, you created things. So the Quakers hate the Episcopalians, and they're- I'm pretty sure you're saying Episcopalian, which is when you don't eat fucking fish or no, chicken. No, Episcopalian. E-P-I-S-C-O-P-A-L-I-A-N. Episcopalian. Okay. Well, I'll just say Angelican. He was part of some weird Angelican thing. That's what he worshipped. That makes it sound weirder. That makes me think of a pelican. I don't know. The religion didn't last long. I don't think there's many more out there. Okay, okay. They can't marry. They're forbidden. And they just said fuck it, and they just ran off to Philadelphia, because that's the place to go, Apparently, they run off to Philadelphia and they elope in 1772. Why? Because, like, the Liberty Bell is there? I feel like that was one of the major cities at the time. Because there's only 13 colonies. So you have to think about, there's not a lot of people. It's the 1700s. Oh, 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 oh. you're right. You're right. The U.S. is bleak. It's rough right now. It's 1772, so, like, we don't have our independence or anything yet. I don't think they threw the tea in the harbor. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't know when that happened. But everyone disowns her. Her whole family, her church, everybody, and they don't care. They're just like, fuck it, whatever. And they open this cute little shop where they fix furniture and like fix clothes and make clothes and all these things. And everything's great. And then the American Revolutionary War starts and John gets sent off to work in some like Pennsylvania militia. And then he gets killed in 1776. They end up not having kids. So she's like single woman running her shop doing her. Oh, they never had kids. No, they didn't have a chance. He was, I think, was like off doing war 
war stuff for like years before he actually died. So they didn't have time. Okay. And she has no husband right now. So everyone's like, mm, Betsy has no husband. Mm-mm, not good. Oh, not good. Why are they saying not good? I thought you were saying like they wanted her. Oh, no, it's not good. It's social suicide. You don't be a woman and have a business and Pretty not have Damian. a husband. You can't join mathletes. It's social suicide. It is. It's social suicide. No, not happening. In June of 1777, No, she... I just want to revisit that because I honestly find that bullshit. It's like she's a slut if she remarries, but I don't know. It's like a double-edged sword. No, I don't think she's a slut. I think at the time, they were like, marry the first fucking guy you see. If you're a widow, you find somebody. But I'm just thinking back to like literally why does my mind go to Hamilton every fucking time because I'm a theater geek, but like she was never expected to remarry. And I think if she did, it probably would have been a scandal. Maybe it was the Quaker situation. Maybe it was like her religion. Oh, you're right. You're right. I didn't take that. Because into a- they're very right. traditional Christian where they like, you are subservient. The man needs to be there to make things happen. To make everything happen. Yeah. yeah. So in a year, she finds another man named Joseph Ashburn. She's quick. How old is he? I don't know how old he is, but they get married and they're only married for five years and then he dies. All right. So she's 0 for 2. Both husbands have died within five years of marrying her. This one got captured during the war and sent to prison and then got murdered while he was in prison in England. And then, this is the best part, this man, John Claypool, was in prison with her husband. He gets out and he goes to her to be like, your husband got fucking murdered in prison and I'm here to tell you the bad news. And then they get married. Just the messenger. He was literally just Yeah, the and then they fell in love and they got married within a year. Okay. They live happily ever after and they have children and okay. run their little upholstery shop and like do their thing. Now, I waited to tell his US flag part because this was the craziest thing. No one even knew that she had anything to do with the flag until like 50 years after she died. Her grandson ended up writing some paper and like bringing it to some history place and it was like, my grandma made the first U.S. flag. And they're all like, what the fuck? But there's no factual evidence at all. Also, her daughter came forward and had an affidavit. So it's all... Hearsay. It's all hearsay. Yeah. Yeah, it's all hearsay. They have no proof, no payment, no written diaries, nothing. And I'm going to 100% believe her story because it makes sense. She got asked to make this flag and no one thought to write it down. Right. It's white man's history. Yeah. Yeah, It's not... Why would we write this down? So kudos to her grandson who came forward and he's like, my grandma's a fucking badass. You need to put her in the history books. We're flashing back now to 1776. That's the birth of a nation. Yeah. Husband dies in January of that year. And in June is when they say that she made the flag. I honestly don't think she was that upset that her husband died. She was thriving. Business was booming. Or was she processing her grief? Maybe. Yeah. creative expression. Creative outlet? Maybe. She's a devout Quaker again, so now she's living her best life. Oh, did life. she switch to Angelican faith while she was with him? Or did she stay? Well, no, she couldn't. She literally got kicked out. Her church were literally like, you're fucking marrying this John dude? You're done. I don't know. Apparently back in the day, you just couldn't worship two different ways, I Definitely guess. It not. was just shunned. And everyone talked Jeez about slash, it. You still can't do that. That's true. People still hate you. And back then, there was a lot less people to like spread the news to, so everybody knew. It probably took half an afternoon for everyone to be like, fucking Betsy Mary John. Ugh, yuck, she's going to hell. I mean, you've gotten so funny since you moved to the desert, I have to say. It's, it's fucking... the sun. It's making me delirious. It's the vitamin D, dude, I think. You've gotten so funny. I'm I've like, never had this much vitamin D in my body that it just, like, I'm overdosed. I literally it's too much look like Bruno Mars right now. 
I can't get I know, it's, like, hard to stare at you sometimes. <laughs> turn me off on the... I'm like, should I turn my camera on? Yeah, no, I'll it's fine. I'll put a hat on or something. Reel me back in. Yeah, reel you back in about this Betsy Ross situation. According to her family, in June 1776 is when she made the first ever American flag for George Washington. So, the reason that we think, and I think this story is true and not just a myth that some historians think is because her husband John his uncle was high up in the army and like worked for George Washington and he was one of the people that signed the declaration of independence her uncle was no her husband's uncle husband her husband's uncle okay so John okay, okay. Ross his uncle signed the declaration of independence and he was buddy buddy with George so they're thinking that he was probably friends with Hamilton probably they probably were all friends with I mean they talk about a committee and I'm like just picturing them wrapping it out that's not what happened Alexander but, Hamilton yeah so they're believing that John's uncle was the one when they were trying to draft up this whole flag idea and figure out who's gonna make it and like all these things and John's uncle was like I know the perfect lady she's a seamstress that's what i say about you yeah i know who can fix it they think that's how betsy and george washington became really good friends because of john's uncle yeah because george apparently would come and visit the house a bunch on business and personal dinners and they would hang out and socialize and she would fix all of his shirts and shit when he'd rip his cuff and sleeves and they were bffs it was adorable so were they bffs or were they fucking boning Hmm. have a dialogue about it i mean in everything you just said sounds like they're fucking banging. yeah so i forgot to say my resources i got everything on britannica biography.com wikipedia and u.s history which had her daughter's affidavit but now that you mention it every single one of those sources said business and personal sorry martha oh shit I mean, they all were just fuckers back then. Literally, any woman, they were like, I don't care that I'm married. Would you bang a guy with wooden teeth? It's a real question I have for you. I honestly forgot he had wooden teeth. Do you think he would take them out while they were... Dude, have you seen the photos of the denture? It's gross. I don't know. I have bad teeth, so like... Maybe that's why Martha wasn't so sad that he went and did that, because maybe she had a side piece. I also heard... We should do Martha one day, because I heard she threw weed. Some really good... Or at least hemp, maybe. Let's keep her on... Yeah, okay, cool. We're getting way off topic, but... No, no, you're... This is on topic. This is good. I want to think about Martha. Sorry, I'm not on board with the illicit affair, okay? Everybody's having illicit affairs back then. That was the thing to do. So she's a seamstress. She's friends with George Washington, potentially fucking him. So they were like trying to figure this out. And everyone told George Washington that Betsy's the girl. So they bring this Congress and George Washington over to her little shop and have a little meeting with her to see if she's able to like do this task. And I found some conflicting evidence because some sources said that she has made flags before Mm -hmm. and some sources were saying that she wasn't. So I'm not quite sure if this was a new thing for her because then sometimes people were saying that she was making some like weird Philadelphia militia flags but then also some people were saying that she has never made a flag before in her life. So they show her this design and it was fucking ugly. Like it was just the shittiest design. It was a square flag 
And then they drew a bunch of stripes in the square, and then they just put stars on it. Just like haphazardly laid over all the stripes. Betsy was pretty much like, this is horrible. I'm not making this. It makes no sense. Like, you need to put the stars in some sort of circle or half circle or fucking just put them in a line. Like, just put them somewhere. And then they were trying to make six-pointed stars, and she was like, I'm not going to do that because it's really tedious and difficult to make six-pointed stars. Isn't that also like a Jewish thing? Yeah, it is. It's the Star David. And I think a lot of men were just stupid and they were like, this looks nice. Ha 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 Drink my brandy. So Betsy was like, no, 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 no. You need to do all this stuff differently. And because George Washington, now you're really making me think that they were fucking. Because George Washington literally was like, you're right, Betsy. I'm going to just say fuck what the committee's saying. I'm going to listen to you and we're going to start from scratch. There's really never just friends. Yeah, they were having an affair. And especially that he was just like, we'll do whatever you want. That sounds great. George Washington sits down and Betsy pretty much tells him, like, do the stripes like this and stars like this. They have the final sketch and she's like, cool, that I will do. That looks nice. I will make that for you. This is all according to her daughter. She has, like, a signed letter formal thing written up about this story. Mm -hmm. And according to her daughter, then Betsy had to go to some local shipping merchant and she had to, like, take all of their old flags and ship colors and all this stuff. And she mimicked that stitching mm-hmm. to make it look nice. Fuck yeah. Yeah, and like pretty much figured out her own design. She worked with this local artist who did like a water painting of it. So then she had a sketch that then she could send to other flag makers so they could make more. Right, like manufacturers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because they didn't have manufacturers back then. They would literally send it to right. Henrietta down the street and they'd be like, hey, I need you to make 50 of these by next Tuesday. And she was like, cool. What up, bitch? You're not getting paid for this because we're serving our government. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah, there's also no history of her or her family ever getting paid. Really? None of it. There's no record of her getting payment for this. You created the symbol for America and you were never, you nor your living ancestors were ever compensated for that? Yeah, so no. So she Is that because she never had kids? Or like, No, she ended up having kids with her other two husbands. So she has kids and grandkids and she has this whole line of history or whatever. They just, because there's no physical proof, historians are like that didn't happen according to her family she makes this flag they don't say how long it takes her but she makes it she gives it to congress and they bring it out and they show it off around town and everyone's like we love it america woohoo and then they go to the committee or whatever and they approve it and that's the official flag so then she continues to make flags for the united states for the next 50 years and still i couldn't find any payment or recognition, or just like a, hey, good job. Hand sewing them. She's hand Hand sewing them. Yeah, for 50 years, she hand-sewed flags for the United States government. And then when her son, or her grandson, told everyone about it, they were all like, well, there's some guy, though, named Francis, who, he says he made the design. So then there's this huge argument saying that this guy, was this random guy. Was it like a random white dude? Yeah, it was a random white dude named Francis Hopkinson or whatever. And he was just some artist flag maker. So now some historians are like, I think he made the flag. So this is technically a myth. There's no, like, factual evidence. But yeah, that's why I needed wow. to do this story. Because her whole family wouldn't just make this up. 
You know? Definitely. Definitely. So I think she did do it. And the government's just cheating her and not giving her the recognition she deserves. Well, so not to get... And I know you hate it when I Conspiracy theory? I wouldn't call this conspiracy theory. What do you think? What do you think the conspiracy is? I wouldn't call it that. But I just... This doesn't surprise me at all, I guess, that we don't know more about it or I didn't learn this version of the, I did not learn that version of her story. No. The only thing I learned, and I remember it, the only thing in my history books was the first American flag was sewn yes. by Betsy Ross. That's it. But it wasn't just sewn by her. She was the leading force that made the design and put all that grunt work in and then continued to- And then she continued to, to manufacture them for 50 yep. fucking years without yep. payment. Yeah. None. I'm shocked. She dedicated her life to fucking making- Flags! And no one cared. I don't know why we don't learn this story of it, even though it's considered a myth. I think this is something that is showing that people are left out on purpose. Even if some of the details are not 100% accurate, it still is the story of the woman behind the flag. And they just hate that there's a woman yeah, behind the flag. They just can't get on board. And then the fact that there's no written evidence, it's like... Well, you didn't let us learn how to read and write. So why the fuck do you think there isn't written evidence? Because we couldn't write it down. So her grandson wrote it down. Good tale, dude. Yeah. She's pretty cool. And I love that she got married three times and all of her husbands just died because that made me happy for some reason. No, it's always kind of fun when like, It's refreshing. When women of the 1700s are like, fuck it. I've known you for two weeks. Let's get married and just have like 17 children together. Well, that's a nice segue into my story for you. Oh, do you have a lot of children in your story? Yes. So have you ever heard of this woman named Leah Rosenfeld? Oh, no. R-O-S-E-N-F-E-L-D. So her nickname was Rosie. Rosie Rosenfeld. I got all of my information from an article on trains.com. Wait, like trains? Like We're talking about the railroad this week. Oh my, my god. I'm talking about this woman who was I'm a excited. pioneer for the railroad, but she was also a fucking pioneer for women in the workplace. She got like a lot of shit done, dude. It's really... Cool. It's impressive and it's brief. I mean, my story was quite aggressive. So, yeah, let's get a nice little sweet Let me one. drink a little bit of my gin and tonic. Here, let's take a pot. We haven't smoked oh, some weed yeah, in a while. Let's, let's smoke it. some weed quick. I get so high, I forget. Dude, my cat also loves yeah. that blanket. Mm-hmm. Both of my cats are obsessed with that blanket. Same. There is something. Especially if the white side is yep. up. Gil, he just starts like, <laughs> he sounds, oh my God, like a serial killer. I love him. Yeah, that's how I wake Send up. Send us pictures of your cats. We will. Do your cats listen? Do your cats enjoy us? Do they hate us? Dude, I, okay. Oh my God. I was Abby. I was literally just about to tell a story about you. But, like, I didn't realize that I was telling it to you, and I'm still going to tell it the way I was going to tell it, because I was going to be like, (laughs) yo, I have this friend that, like, got this puppy and was so obsessed with it that she would make me leave on nature documentaries when I left the house from Puppy City. Yeah, that was me. He was sad. He did not even know what was going what? on. What? He totally watches TV. He watched half of the Soul movie with oh, me. Half of the Soul. And The Life of Pets. He was real hooked on that for a while. Because- <laughs> I love that movie yeah, so much. Yeah, I don't know. It definitely was all the dogs and stuff in it. But as soon as a dog would come on, he'd be like, huh? And I was like, no, dude. 
they're not here. And then he'd run to the window, and I was like, they're not here. They're not your friends. That's, like, kind of a good boy, actually. That's cute. Yeah, he was so excited. Yay, but I want to get into your lady. Okay, yeah, so I got into this woman. I literally Googled women in the railroad, and so I stumbled upon this article. Its title is Women and Railroading. Okay. It was written by this woman whose name is Shirley Berman, and her husband actually worked on the railroads for, like, upwards of... 15 years. I don't know. At the time that the article was written. And knew this woman whose nickname was Rosie and had had a few professional encounters with her. So that's kind of how Shirley like came to know her. Okay. So that's like how they found out about her. And And she was still alive. Wait, so what time is this? So this was, well, I guess this was, the article was written. It was a while ago. I'm gonna lay. I'm gonna lay out the timeline. Okay. Let me lay it out. Tell me about this woman. So Leah Rosenfeld. She was nicknamed Rosie, and she's often confused, especially because of her affiliation with the railroad, as the inspiration for Rosie the River. Oh, what? But but not. No, she came long after the Rosie the River campaign. She just happened to look a lot like her. Is that what it is? She looked like her, and her last name Rosenfeld. Oh. So. We're in the 1800s. This is not where our story begins, but I'm going to take you back then just to lay the scene. Oh, I was like, what? Rosie the Riveter was definitely in the 1940s. <laughs> I know my history, at least like a little bit. We're working up to that. Okay, But cool. I just want to give you a little bit of history in terms of the railroads. So oh, yeah, in good. the 1800s, the most important breakthrough for women in the railroading industry is when women telegraphers earned responsible positions. Oh. And so that meant that they're taking orders and they're keeping trains on track, a.k.a what we now know as logistics. Yeah. Cool. So during the Civil War, many female telegraph operators were asked to help the war effort Mm -hmm. and they took over or assisted when men left for war, which we know. At this same time, slave women and children, mainly in the South, so we're talking about black women and children, were forced to lay railroads for Southern railroad companies. They're the ones out there and they're often disguised as men while they're doing it to not raise suspicion. That makes sense. And this is my commentary on the whole thing. I said, so women, contrary to popular belief, have a huge role in daily life. Contrary to what history has written and what you and I have been taught about women, I don't think I've ever even given women in the railroad a second thought until I started researching this topic. It always seemed like a male thing to me. Dudes work on the railroads. Well, and for whatever reason, I knew obviously that there were women in that field, but it was never like, oh, yeah, the women in the railroad did all this amazing stuff. You know, it's... Yeah, it's not a profession that you think about that much. So now, we started in the early 1800s. Let's flash forward. We're in the 1890s, okay? okay? So we'd gone through the Civil War... Countries rebuilding, industrial revolution is happening. Women, they're taking on small railroads in various capacities. And like I said, they're often dressed as men. Mm-hmm. By the early part of the 20th century, so we're in the early 1900s now, okay. women are railroad designers. They're Whoa. acting as depot architects. And there's women bacteriologists. What? Which means... Those are the women that study, like, the technology for refrigerated cargo. This is nuts. Yeah. So women are doing all of that because dudes are still at war. Revolutionary, or no, 
what yes, Revolutionary Civil, World War One, World War Two, Cold War, Iraq War. We're essentially yeah. never not at war, but especially in the early, you know, the turn of the twentieth century, like all those dudes are at war. Yeah. Everyone it's the draft, yeah. you know? That's crazy. And you don't think about like during that time, that's when a lot of headway was made. Industrial toward, I mean it's the it's just an yeah, age of everything that's towards used. making it better and inventing and better. New technology ways. is coming over from Europe. New technology is coming from India. New technology is coming from Asia. Yeah. They're getting hit at all sides and it's it's just this era of rebirth and there's literally not enough people yeah. in the nation to like... Which sucks because at that time then they're like, okay, we don't have enough men so I guess we'll like let you come do this. So that's the background on the railroad of the time. So now I'm going to get into Rosie. Rosie was a Southern Pacific Railroad operator and mother of 12. Damn. She was a pioneer for women seeking equal rights on the railroad as well as in the workplace in general. So she didn't only like fix shit within the railroad industry, she fixed it within the entire what am I like saying? Like a region? Blue collar worker industry is what oh, I want to say. Oh yeah, okay. She fucked with like the equal opportunity employment people and like she won yeah. this huge case. Wait, so, so do we know like anything about where she grew up when she was born? So that's the thing. I googled her separately from this article. She doesn't have a Wikipedia page that I found. Nothing? She has no real start. This article that I did find that I'll put in the description of the episode, dude it had so many beautiful pictures of her family and her on the railroad and we'll put a couple up on our Instagram of course but I think I don't know there's this disconnect with the record of her in terms of how much she yeah did. they just didn't I mean everything she did they had no reason to recognize her for it because she's a woman and now in some weird way because of all this equal opportunity and like men and women work together and they're equals and like because of that now there's extra especially no trace of it because why would anyone record a differentiating experience? Well, yeah, you know because I mean? you know all the people that are recording it are the men and they're like, we don't want equal rights. We're just gonna like cross her name off. Exactly. Let's roll into this. So it's October of 1944. It's World War Two, obviously. Cool. And that's when Rosie the Rivener was, that was already a catchphrase. And so Rosie herself, she was 36 years old and her husband and her needed additional income to support themselves and their nine children. So since it was wartime, railroads were hiring women to replace men that had been drafted into the war, like we just talked about. Yeah. Wait, so her husband wasn't drafted? Her husband wasn't drafted. Well, I... Hold on. It doesn't say anything about him being drafted. God, he's a lucky, lucky dude if he didn't get drunk. I think her and her husband weren't estranged to the idea of her working on the railroad because Rosie the Riveter was very much an icon at the time. So was she doing stuff before or no? This was like her first go? No, so this was her first go of it. Well, I'll get into a little bit of what her background is in terms of training, but she was literally just inspired. And this was World War II. Rosie the Riveter came around in World War I. She was clearly just inspired by the fact that women could do shit. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. be in the workforce and fucking... Yeah, so then when they needed money, both her and her husband were were not opposed exactly. to the idea of So being this like, was her training. She completed telegraphy. Wait, telegraphy? Uh, that is something to do with telegraphs, though, which we... That's 
it says clerical courses, which I'm guessing is secretary training, right? Office work. Yeah, clerical courses, yeah. yeah. It's like typing, phones, filing. And that's when the Southern Pacific, which is like the main railroad company of the time, hired her. Mm-hmm. The war ended a year later. Wow. And men began to return to civil life. Many women at the time, I mean, they were given pink slips. Yeah. When the dudes came back from the war, they obviously got their fucking jobs back and the women were laid off immediately. It was not a question. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, you can go back to making bread. We don't need you. Exactly. Yeah. We literally don't need you. So. Wait, so she got laid off after those two years already? Actually, she didn't. She didn't actually suffer from the pink slips. Oh, hell yeah. Railroad operators didn't suffer the pink slip fate because they needed people working the railroad and they needed people who knew what the fuck they were doing. Because at this time, there's all these industries rising. Think of all the industries rising right now. There's dairy. There's meat. All of these multi-million million dollar industries are fucking rising and they need someone to transport their shit. Yeah. Well, because think about it, you can't transfer meat across the country if it's not refrigerated. You could lose a lot of product. Exactly. Trains were literally fucking mandatory. Exactly. So it's 1953. Rosie gets divorced, mm. but she's still working for Southern Pacific. And she's working as a telegraph operator, a clerk, a station agent. She's mostly in isolation. She works in these really desert stations around the Salton Sea area in California. Yeah. But she says it works for her because she works these really odd hours. But she has, at the time, she didn't have all 12 children. She had eight children. But this was a way for her to keep an eye on all of her kids, basically. She was like, I can work these weird shifts, but like, I'm close enough to home where I can check in on my kids. Man, the good old days. She probably left her kids home alone for like, days. Well, she had children raging of all ages, so she had old enough kids to like, they were the parents. Yeah. 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 And so there's a direct quote that says, most male operators didn't like desert duty. And that suited me just fine. And then she was asked, did you ever have any problems while working for the railroad? And with a twinkle in her eye, this petite woman said, yes, but I took care of it. So Rosie proceeded to tell her story of how she created a precedent for women everywhere. It was 1955 and a position opened for an agent slash telegrapher at Saugus, California, which is a neighborhood in Santa Clarita. I don't know if you're familiar with California and all. No. It's a dope little, like, beach community, Wait, so what opened up? This new, new position. position. Yep, it was a promotion for her. Oh, sick. Cool. And she applied knowing that she had 10 years seniority. Wow. Okay, so she had been working for Southern Pacific for 10 years. To her surprise, they denied <gasps> her upgrade. Oh, fucking The railroad course. cited California's women protective laws that barred them from lifting over 25 pounds or working more than eight hours a day. The railroad ignored the fact that railroads operated under the federal (laughs) railroad labor law, not California law. And the federal (gasps) act made no distinction between male and female employees. I hope she fought that shit. So Rosie fired back a dispatch through her union. Good. And she said that she performed the same duties under a different job title, but at less pay. Southern Pacific replied that the railroad didn't tell her to lift heavy bags and boxes (gasps) or work more than eight hours. Her follow-up note was super simple, which, I mean, we've literally had these conversations. She says, yes, and if I hadn't, you would have fired me, is what she said. Snaps. Rosie! 
Get it, girl. Get this shit, dude. For the next 11 years, Southern Pacific rejected her applications for promotions. So she stayed on Wait, with she them. still worked for them? She still worked for them. They were waiting for her to quit and she held out. So she appealed, but the whole entire board of the ORT, whatever the fuck, railroad transmission people, whatever the fuck, they, who were all men, oh, they literally yeah. ignored all of her appeals. But because of her background as a clerk... And a motherfucking paralegal in a law firm. I she love knew this that she had to keep very fucking detailed copies of everything. So she kept all of her shit. She kept every single correspondence. She kept all of the rejection slips, all of the appeals, everything. Proud of from her. both her union and the Southern Pacific officials. So she had shit on both sides, bro. Damn. So it's 1964, the passage of the Federal Civil Rights Act with its title seven, gave women an equal hiring footing with men. This established the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which we know of today, which gave Rosie her opening. So this was like her fucking in. It's 1966. She applied again for a promotion. Mm -hmm. And she was again turned down. (laughs) Oh my God. Because of California's protective laws. But the EEOC advised her to take legal action against the entire fucking state of California. Hell yeah. So she, she did? She takes the entire state. <gasps> Two years later, because you know that shit takes like literally yeah. I mean, forever. it's not immediate. It's not like an SVU right. episode. It's not quick and painless in an hour. Yeah. Two years later, they filed a sex discrimination suit against the Southern Pacific. Love it. The TCU and the state of California. <laughs> the trifecta. So fucking three sexual discrimination. But okay, so this was like kind of a double-edged sword when she did this because a lot of women that were in the industry thought that this would reflect really poorly on yeah. them. And I couldn't help but think, I don't know, I listened to like both series of Dr. Death and shit and they talk about how when like the nurses report the doctors, they're almost guaranteed Oh to yeah, you don't do that. Jobs. It's like that right. hierarchy thing. It's the hierarchy thing. Exactly. So like a lot of the women were like, yeah. what the fuck are you? you doing you're gonna lose us our job yeah they were at that time where they're like i'm fucking scraping by they are waiting for me to do the littlest things so they can fire me because i'm a woman you're just giving them a lot of fucking ammunition but she dude she was fucking persistent three months after she filed in 1968 the southern pacific settled and california's protective laws were declared unconstitutional did they give her a lot of money I hope so. This result affected not only women in California, but throughout the entire country. By 1971, <gasps> all railroad industries began recruiting women for all railroad jobs. Dope. Yay! But honestly, this is sad. For Rosie, it was like a little too late. The outcome happened. So she finally got her promotion and the salary that came with it. But she retired within the fucking same year. Damn. And so Southern Pacific appealed. Right before she retired, they appealed. But then they like had to throw in the towel and had to pay her fucking attorney fees and like all this shit. She like kind of threw them a bone and was like, let's settle because like I'm retiring. I've won. I've done what I want to do in terms of civil service and civil acts. It just sucks because she would have probably been so kick ass in that position. Yeah. And she had to fight for it literally until like the year that she retires. But super cute. Her lawyer wrote her a note soon after the trial, and this is what it said. You must realize that you were a pioneer in the battle for sex equality and that you made it legal history. You should be proud of what you have done here. 
And she really was. Cute. Why do we know nothing about her? Why can I Google her and literally know nothing? Wikipedia? What's happening? Not even a Wikipedia page. Like women are just being erased now. They're just is being she just erased. like the sweetest little woman? You have to look at the photos that I posted. They're fucking cute and adorable. Oh my God, she's and she a is- cutie. She's wearing Keds. Love it. Love it. Fun. Okay, cool. I really liked her. That was a fun episode. It was nice. Someone that we somewhat know and someone that we literally... If you know about her, where'd you go to school? All right. Well, hey, uh, cheers to you. I will... Here we go. Okay. I'm done. See our corresponding Instagram posts for any additional resources or feel free to reach out to our direct email at untoldhistory, spelled H-I-G-H-S-T-O-R-Y, at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Like, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram.